podcast. I really hope you like it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Matthew West podcast. I'm your host, Matthew West. And as always, I really hope you like it. Now, normally our episodes release every Wednesday, but my conversation with Sam Acho, former NFL football star, uh, activist, humanitarian and author, it was so rich and it was so good that I couldn't stop talking to him. And so we are releasing today's bonus episode because I think you need to hear what Sam has to say. Before we jump into part two of my conversation with Sam, I just want to remind you that we have just announced my next virtual concert. It's going to be epic. It's taking place May 7th through the 9th. There's five different show times. I'm going to be coming to you from my home studio, The Story House, but this time I'm bringing my friends. It's called West Friends Fest, and you're going to be able to hear me perform special collabs with 10 different artists. My friend Annie F. Downs is going to be there to share a special message. This is going to be an awesome concert, so gather your friends, your family, socially distanced, however you need to do it. Invite mom because it's Mother's Day weekend. Tickets are super affordable, and especially for being a listener of this podcast, I want to show you some extra love. So when you go to MatthewWest.com at checkout, you can use the code PODCASTPAL. That's PODCASTPAL for five bucks off your ticket. There's some neat VIP options as well. If you want to have a special VIP Zoom hang with me, lots of good stuff. You can also uh, get a special VIP where I send you or someone you want to receive a special video greeting. Lots of cool stuff. So be sure to go to MatthewWest.com and don't miss West Friends Fest. Again, there's five different showtimes. So no matter where you live or what time zone you're in around the country or around the world, you can join us for a special night of community, a special night of music, a special night of worship. It is going to be awesome. MatthewWest.com. Use the code PODCASTPAL for five bucks off at checkout. All right, here we go. We're jumping into part two of my conversation with the great Sam Acho. Let's do this. Here's what I love. Throughout your book, you highlight the honest truth of the times where you've either been tempted to wear a mask and let the shadow kind of take over the three, right? Um, and maybe sometimes you've actually done it and you've you tried to live up to whatever perception you're supposed to have. But then you equally match it with the times where you've listened to the still small voice of the Lord, where you've listened to the adult and you've you've stepped out and dared to be you. And one of the themes you say throughout the book is being you pays off, being you pays off. And your book, chapter for chapter, my biggest challenge as I was preparing to talk to you was like, I wanted to give away every chapter of the book because every chapter has these amazing examples of what happens when you finally take the mask off and dare to like do what you said adults do where they name things. And one moment that I remember specifically, you talked about your, a teammate got injured and while you were hurting for your teammate, it was also your opportunity to, to step into the game. And then within like one period, I think it was one quarter, right? One period. What am I talking? The hockey. You got the hockey. Yeah, exactly. yeah, within a quarter, like within a by halftime. By halftime, you yourself suffered a horrible injury with a broken leg. I think it was right. Yep. And you're back, uh, you know, in the tunnel or whatever it is. Describe this moment where you were tempted to be, you know, tough. You were tempted to be kind of having a mask on, but you just decided to 
to own how you were feeling and not be afraid to let others see and how how being you pays off in those moments yeah well i believe being you does pay big it was week three of my third season i earned the starting spot it was doing really well we were playing the new orleans saints i just sacked drew Brees. i was in a zone <laughs> like i was in the, the offensive lineman couldn't hold i was in a zone yes and one of my teammates the guy who was i was splitting time with a little bit at that time we had a new coach some new players he had just gotten injured and this is like I was a friend of mine in, in some ways. So, yes, I was sad for him. But in football, you're taught, hey, move on. Next man up, next play, move forward. And so a little bit sad, but I was like, hey, man, sorry, man. It's my turn. My time to shine. God's giving me my chance. This is it. Show the world. Prove to everyone, all the haters. And so, boom, I get that sack. And actually, it was after halftime. We finished halftime. I see my teammate in the locker room. Hey, man, I give him a hug. Hey, man, sorry for you, but I got your back, man. I'm going to, you know, whatever. And he's kind of looking at me like nodding his head. He's a believer as well, just kind of like, thanks, man. I go back out there, and a few plays into the third quarter, we ran this play where I'm, I was a blitzer, and another linebacker blitz, and all of a sudden, he gets blindsided, and he falls his hip on my ankle. Mm. Break my leg, screaming in excruciating pain probably a lot of a little bit of pride a lot of bit of pride i i refused to get help off the field i limped off on my own accord i sat on this on this bench in the sideline the doctors are looking at me and like what's wrong it's like it just hurts just give me some medicine just give me some tylenol i'm fine they said sam it might be broken i said i don't i've I had no injuries before i was like no like i'll be good put some tape on it give me some tylenol advil i'll be fine they said sam it might be broken mm-hmm what does that even mean? Who cares? It's like, dude, we just need, let's get an x-ray. I said, x-ray, dude, the game's going on. We're trying to beat Drew Brees. Same. Let's just get an x-ray. We'll go in the tunnel, get the x-ray. If you're good, we'll come back. You'll be back by the end of the game. If it's not, we'll go from there. I said, fine. I go to the cart. If anyone's been in football games, you know they got these carts they take people off on. Once again, I refuse to sit in the back. I sat in the front with the driver, laughing, joking, chopping it up. And I go to the tunnel. They do the x-ray. And I try, you know, usually doctors don't tell you what the x-ray people don't tell you the technicians don't but i try to get my little information hey what do you think he said it doesn't look good i said oh mm. come on he's like eh. you know one of the, the assistant doctors was there he's like looks like it's broken it's like no nah, it can't be you're wrong you don't know what you're doing like god's on my side and the guy just like kind of nods his head well i go back i go back to the sideline with crutches just to watch we start losing so i go to the tunnel so i could start showering getting ready early because i knew it was going to take me longer to take my pads off and all the things i kind of get all showered up we lose the game Everyone comes in the tunnel. We kind of do our team breakdown. They change, shower. I am on the trainer's table where the head athletic trainer for the Arizona Cardinals, Tom Reed, comes up to me. And I'm like, hey, Tom, what's the news? He said, it's broken. Mm. I said, okay, well, I mean, this is week three of the season. You know, we got a 17-week season playoffs. Like, when will I be back? Like, when will I be back? Three weeks, six weeks, four, four you know, 10 weeks. He said, Sam, you're going to be out for the season. <sighs> And as soon as he said those words, I mean, I I struggled, right? I was drafted. I'd fought for a starting spot. I started as a rookie. I tied the rookie sack record, maybe second in the rookie sack record. Wow. Started every game my second year, like was balling, had four sacks, three picks, three interceptions as a linebacker, wow. right? Third year, they had a new coach. They cut half the team. I made it. I was playing. And now all of a sudden it was gone, out for the season. And I just started crying. I just broke down and cried, like weeping uncontrollably. And on the table next to me was that same guy who had been injured a few quarters before. 
And I remember I consoled him half-heartedly. And I look at him. And he looks at me. He's like, hey, man, God's in control. Oh, wow. We're going to be okay. And I'm like, well, how can you? like? Dude? And mind you, this guy was older than me. And he, he had like, experienced God in ways. Like, he'd been through this struggle before. God's got this. And so I remember finishing up. And Arizona's on the West Coast. We were playing in New Orleans, which is kind of central. We were going on to play in, in Tampa Bay. And so the team was traveling on to Tampa Bay. It was like a Thursday night game. Well, I couldn't go. I had to go do surgery. So I actually flew back by myself with the team owner. I got a chance to go on a private jet for the first time, which is pretty sweet. <laughs> Only time. But I flew back um, to go get surgery. Even then, I tried to have this smile on. I remember calling my wife. She was in Nigeria at the time. That was 2013. And I was like, hey, just letting you know, there might be some. I may not be playing too much this season. Mm. She's like, okay, what happened? I was like, oh, nothing crazy. Just got a little leg injury, you know. And she's like, okay. And I hang up the phone and I'm like, oh man, that was, that was close. You know, I thought I kind of kept it together. She calls me back. She's like, what's really going on? Then I tell her and I start crying again. And so it was this journey. God taught me that I was more and am more than what I do at that moment. Hmm. He taught me that that football was for me not to play with, but to stand on. So I got injured out for the season. And then if when I say God opened up doors, you're going to have to go read the book to hear about some of these stories. It's, it's, but like, it really is incredible. The doors that opened, opened as a result door. of this worst thing that happened or the worst thing yes. in your mind that could have happened. The yes. stuff that happens as a result is just amazing. Yeah. But it, it was because of the struggle. If I if I would have kept on playing and starting yeah. and dominating, I wouldn't even wouldn't even even have known the other gifts that God gave me. The real passions. I love speaking. I love encouraging. Right. I started doing a ton of speaking stuff. Was on TV doing stuff like because God took something away that in a lot of ways had become this thing that I put my identity in. I think God was trying to remind me like, Nah, dude, like you're my son in whom I'm well pleased. You're worth getting to know. So that injury was a real turning point for you. I have a feeling you grew up in a house with parents that were reminding you time and time again, you are not what you do. Like, I mean, your parents were pointing you to Jesus. And as a kid, though, I mean, you got to experience it in your own story where it becomes real to you. And I don't think I even really picked up that that was the defining moment or in your athletic career where you realized I am more than football. It seemed like you've been... I mean, even just the education you were getting, like, I think deep down, at least, I mean, the Lord knew, there's no doubt that you were going to be about so much more than football, but it's crazy how an injury like that was a turning point for you to kind of have your eyes open to see the great work that could be done through even your weakness and not through the strength that you were supposed to be projecting week in and week out on the football field, you weren't able to do that. And yet the work in the community that you were able to do. And uh, one of my favorite stories is uh, free Chipotle for a year. You share this story <laughs> it was, in the book. It ended up being three years. Three, totally three years. So this is everyone's, this is everyone's favorite chapter. Everyone's favorite I got a chapter a titled. Can, can <laughs> you called, share just a little bit of it? I know I'm probably keeping you too long, but no, I love good. this story about, and it's such a great example of when when you let the mask down and because I think everybody's been in a situation like you describe as well because it's a moment where you kind of just uh, for me it would be when I'm in an airport and I just you know I'm not maybe not in the mood to be me <laughs> just wanna, um, well, so 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 talk about so it a I got bit. a chapter in the book called Free Chipotle which everyone's <laughs> favorite chapter I, I joke with people if you read the chapter I'm gonna buy you a burrito so the long and short of it is I 
was playing with the Cardinals at the time. And, you know, there's a Chipotle, there was a Chipotle like five minutes from the house. And like, I, I grew up on Chipotle. Like, that's how I got big and strong in my mind. This is like the play. Like, Sponsored by Chipotle. Like, okay. Yeah, two burritos. <laughs> like, hey, doing my thing. And so I remember going to this Chipotle and I had just finished this tough workout. I was sweaty. I was smelly. I was like, let me just get in and get out and get on with my life. So I walk in there and there and I, I you know, it's five minutes from my house. So I'd go there all the time. I walk in and I just start making my order and I got noticed by the server. Yeah. <laughs> and what I mean by that is like, sometimes it's like, yes, autographs, it's, are they're fun and whatever. But it's like, sometimes you just want to just, like you said, put the mask on. Whatever. And so like, as I'm making my order, the guy's like looking at me and I'm like, all right, let me get, you know, let me get a burrito, please. You know, chicken, rice. And he's looking at me serving. He's like, D- D- where are you from? I got from Texas. All right, let me get some bell peppers and some, you know, <laughs> just some sour give me my cream. food. Yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, uh, you know, did you go to UT? I'm like, yeah, I went to University of Texas. All right, yeah, let me get a little bit of, you know, the the the, the hot sauce, whatever. He said, did you play football there? I'm like, yeah, I did. All right, let me get some guacamole, some chips. And he's like, well, what do you do now? Oh, he's put it together. Yeah, he's put it together. <laughs> like, why are you here? I'm like, I play football. And I'm like, all right, let me. I'm trying to like get the bill right. Let me get it. You know, another side of chips, please, and some. And he says, wait, are you Sam Macho? And I'm like, crap. Like, I've been discovered. Yeah. Right? And I'm like, yeah, I'm Sam Macho. Like, I'm literally like, pulling out my card. Let me get the bill. And he's like, guys, guys, this is Sam Macho. He plays for the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, oh, here we go. Like, I'm literally like, hurry. I'm looking at the, the cashier like, hurry up. Let me get my thing. And like, hey, dude. The guy looks at me and says, hey, man, I don't want to bug you. But like, you come here all the time. And you are so nice to our each and every one of our servers. We have this thing called a Chipotle card where you get free burritos for a year. <laughs> Is that something you're in- interested in? <laughs> and amid- like I got put my wallet back in my pocket. I'm like, oh, yeah, hey, tell me more. I have all the time in the world. Yeah, now. yeah. You know, tell me more. You know, he's like, I was like, what do you need? Right? What do you need? He said, dude, all we need is your number. I was like, what well, you need? My football number, my, my, my phone number, my social security number, yeah. whatever you need, I got you. He's like, no, no, we just need your phone number. We'll have the, uh, the, the head guy from our regional marketing director call. And it was a small example of like how being me opened up this opportunity. But what was interesting was a few hours later, I got the call and I I was tempted to pretend again. Long story short, I get a call from this guy named Kennedy Turner, right? The regional marketing director for Chipotle. He says, hey, is this Sam Macho? I'm like, yeah, this is. Um, He says, hey, Sam, before we get started, quick question for you. Are you a Christian? It depends, right? Like, does it, you know, (laughs) is this going to mean you don't get Chipotle? (laughs) Right. Because I'm thinking like the corporate world and whatever. Like, what is this dude talking about? Like, I don't know. Like, didn't Peter deny Jesus? Oh, no. This is, you know. And so. (laughs) Almost um, like they're sizing you up to see if you'd be a fitting sponsor or something. Yeah. Right. Right. And so like in the moment, I'm like, like, what do I say? What do I do? And I say, yeah, I'm a Christian. Right, thinking that this okay, well, there goes my Chipotle, <laughs> and the guy—that's literally what I thought. I know, right? And the guy stops me and he says, "He says, um, it's interesting that you say that. I was looking at your social media profile, and it said you were a follower of Christ, and it gave me pause. And I'm like, dang it, like, what did I do? <laughs> and he said, the reason it gave me pause is that I'm a believer as well, and I've always wondered what it was like to be a Christian in an environment like the NFL." Can we talk about that? And all of a sudden, I'm, it, like I said, sure, I developed this relationship. We talked about like faith in the work. We got together, as you can imagine, at Chipotle about a week later. Talked about faith in the workplace. Talked about family stuff. And also talked about free Chipotle. Well, nine months later, after going through their whole process, I get this box in the mail with uh, this card with my name on it. 
And essentially, the box says that this box may not contain all your hopes and dreams. It's not big enough to hold like a million dollars, but it does have something super, super special that'll give you free burritos for a year. <laughs> it literally has my name on it. Where every and, and like every day, like you can go like for a year, and it ended up being three years because Kennedy renewed it year after year. Wow! But I would throw you could throw like Chipotle burrito parties. I throw burrito parties for teammates, for friends, for kids at homeless shelters. Like just whoever, and it became this huge blessing. But it all started because I was I was me, and it wasn't like I was me on that day. On that day, I was trying to hide and pretend. But they had already seen me and known me way before I could ever hide and pretend. I think all of us have that same story. I love. Right? Maybe that. it's not free burritos, but it's like we've already been seen and known and loved for who we are. So there's no need to put on that mask. Matter of fact, when we take it off, it's like yes, finally, I've been waiting for it. Right, I've, you come here all the time, and you are so kind. That is awesome. Well, you, you talk so about kind. you say masks. There's a sentence I wrote it down here, and I thought this could be a commentary on uh, the pandemic. But but it, you said hiding does not produce growth, and then you go on to say masks are suffocating. We need to breathe, and so like you just talked about, it's like finally. I love that in this one story you're describing both. You had this track record of kindness. But you also had a moment of humanity where you were like, you know what? I'm just in a hurry. I don't, I mean, and that is all of us. None of us are going to bat a thousand, right? None of us are uh, maybe to keep it in NFL terms. I know uh, I'm talking to you on the opening day of Major League Baseball, so I'm using baseball terminology. But, you know, we're not going to get a sack every single time, right, Sam? And I also, I will say on a side note, I think there's probably a lot of people thinking, well, I'd, I'd let my mask down if I knew I was going to get burritos for a year. <laughs> if only we all had that same incentive. But what I'm telling you is that, like, you would, like, they're like, like, being you pays big. Yes. Like, it pays. And sometimes it pays in, in burritos, but sometimes <laughs> it pays in just relationships. Yes. Like, yeah. being me has opened up doors. When I, like, yes, like 2013, broken leg, I was in tears. Fast forward, 2018 was a really tough season in my life. I started letting my guard down in front of my teammates, like, anger. Tears, frustration, all the emotions that I used to hide because I was supposed to be the guy that had all the answers. And I said, I can't do that anymore. I need to be who God made me to be. I started being real. And you know what? It opened up a door for them to be real as well. It gave them permission yeah. to be them. So it didn't pay off in a burrito, but it paid off in a relationship. That's it right. paid off in building other people up. It gave me the confidence and gave others. Being used not just for you, it's for other people as well, but it pays off for you too. Well, that's the great lie of the enemy is he wants to make us believe that being ourselves is going to deter people. But your story is proof that when you be you, it actually attracts people to you because people, that's contagious because everybody's craving authenticity. They're craving it in their own lives, but they're scared. And so when they see somebody stepping out and doing that, and your story has one example after the other. And in this book, I mean, people can see how you just being you led you to sit at the table with U.S. presidents, led you to burritos for a year so you could feed communities, has led you to times where your professional career was, was not living up to your hopes and dreams, and yet God's showing you time and time again how he has a greater purpose for you. Like you said, your platform of, of football was something to stand on. And uh, I just am blown away. And I think people are going to be so inspired to figure out what it looks like to be real in a world full of fakes and to be led by your example.
I gotta say selfishly, so I'm from Chicago suburbs, and so I grew up cheering for the Chicago Bears, and you tell some stories about your time with the Chicago Bears, and one specifically, the McCaskey family, right? Yes. The owner of the Chicago Bears, so you wind up in Chicago, it's a long story, but Chicago's not where you thought you were gonna land. And uh, it sounds like you're you really prefer the warmer weather, anyways. And I would imagine. <laughs> <Hands down. laughs> so you wind up playing for my team, my childhood team, the Chicago Bears, and you wind up in this season where that's filled with so much tension. And uh, obviously, it was led by Colin Kaepernick deciding to take a knee during the national anthem. Highly politicized, very controversial. Every NFL team. Uh, you described the tension and the angst in the NFL locker rooms of players feeling like they're not being heard. They want to stand up for what they believe. Uh, there's ownership. There's dissension among the ranks. I mean, how to figure it all out. And here you are, a relatively new teammate for the Chicago Bears. And yet, because you were being you, because you were just being the authentic version of you, people started to look to you for guidance about how are we going to handle this? And the players coming by the locker saying, Sam, what are we doing? You know, what? how's the team going to... And then even the owner of the Chicago Bears looking to you. Describe what that experience was like and the importance of how you guys chose to walk out onto the field that first game in the middle of all that turmoil. If anything, I've learned that Leadership looks different for different people, i.e. you can lead from the back. I was relatively new to the team. I wasn't a captain. I wasn't, even at that point, after my leg injury, I wasn't starting every game. I'd start it every now and again. And then all of a sudden, this issue came up with Colin Kaepernick taking a knee and then teams wondering who's going to take a knee and who's not. And no one knew what to do. And I, I just remember seeing some comments the night before, the, the, it was like a Friday night and some comments that the president at the time had made about NFL players that just seemed, it just hurt. Saying the owners should fire the players and all yeah, those. Yeah, the owners, y'all need it. You know, if anybody takes a knee, owners should tell them you're fired, you're cut. Get that SOB off the field. You're fired. And it was like, I kind of laughed at first, like, oh, this guy, you know. But then it was like, hold on, you're calling my teammates, my, my friends, friends, maybe even yeah. me, a SOB. Right, right. Right, telling an owner I should just get cut or fired for peacefully protesting. Like, what? And so I remember waking up the next morning and like going to the locker room and our guys were angry. Like we were like, man, we're all about to take a knee. If that's how you feel, every single one of us are going to take a knee. That's how some people felt. But then there were other people who were like, dude, all I've known is putting my hand over my heart. And like, that's what I'm going to do. I don't want to do anything different. So there was this confusion, this dissension. Even our coach, his dad was a Navy SEAL. He's like, man, I, you know, I got ties to the military, but I had some black teammates whose, whose parents fought, whose fathers fought in the war. And they had family relatives saying, hey, man, like, I need you to take a knee. We play, the Chicago Bears play at Soldier Field. Wow. Yeah. So our ownership's like, dude, we play at Soldier Field. Like, so it was like, eh, eh. no one knew what to do. And so we were talking about it that morning. We had a walkthrough at practice. And usually on Saturday, our games are on Sunday. So we'll have a practice in the morning, team meeting. And that's where we talked about this. And we'll have an afternoon to rest, hang out. Then on Saturday night, you show up to the team hotel where you have meetings, you watch film, then you spend the night as a team before the game. And so I got to the hotel, I packed up, I had my stuff in the room. I went to chapel. We have this 30-minute chapel before our 8 o'clock team meeting. Go to chapel. I'm walking out of chapel, and all of a sudden, I get cornered by three individuals, the head coach, the general manager, and the owner. 
So John Fox, who's <laughs> yeah. the head coach of the yeah. team, yeah. Ryan Pace, who's the GM at GM. the time, yeah. and George McCaskey, who's the chairman of the Chicago Bears. And they stopped me. And at this point, I'm like, oh, maybe, okay, I'm cut. Like, I did something wrong. Like, I, I, you know, they're going to release me from this. I didn't know what to think. And they stopped me. They said, Sam, what are y'all going to do tomorrow during the national anthem? And I'm looking. I'm like, I'm, I'm not the captain. I'm not who, why are y'all asking me? Like, but they had seen something in me. They had seen the fact that, man, people are drawn to me. I love listening. I love learning. I'm a convener of people by nature. And so they said, Sam, we need some guidance and direction. I looked. They asked me, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know. I said, I don't know. I need to talk to the guys. But I did notice something. I did know that the owner, George, was there at the team meeting at the hotel, and he never shows up to the hotel. Mm. And I told him, I said, George, I do know this. If you're, if you're here at this team meeting, like you need to say something. And George like Ngazi in some ways, it's kind of like laid back and reserved. But it's like, we need, to, we need to know that you have our backs, that you support us. So you said that to the owner? To the owner, yeah. Love it. That's awesome. And we'd even developed a relationship by the grace of God based on quick little story that not a lot of people know. I didn't even know this till a few years ago. During my time in Arizona, I told you I flew back with the team owner after my injury. Well, I guess they respected me and admired me when I became a free agent signed with the Bears. Before I signed, Michael Bidwell, the owner of the Cardinals, called George McCaskey, the owner of the Bears, and said, hey, you're going to get a great guy. They heard wow. I was signing. Wow. I said, Sam is like, great sign. And I'm sitting there like, dude, I got injured, and I was kind of limping through my last year. Great sign. And so he already had respect for me before I even stepped foot on campus. Being you pays big. Good. That's awesome. And we had a relationship, like, I through this event, the Celebrity Waiter Night, to raise money for a nonprofit. And, like, he had heard about it, and he came. Which is a great story, to too, by the way. I know, yeah, dude. I know. Great. Like, it was, there's, you know. And so um, we had a relationship. And so I told him, I said, hey, like, we need to know we have your support. And he's sitting there, like, you could see his wheels turning. Like, well, what do you mean? Like, what if y'all decide, what if y'all decide to do something I don't like? And so I just said, that's, that's all I know. And so we go to the team meeting, and the head coach he said, hey, honestly, guys, before this, like, I wanted everyone to, to put their hands over their hearts. But whatever y'all do, I support you. Because I, I couldn't understand what you're feeling and going through and hearing right now. General manager obviously agreed. And then George McCaskey came, the chairman of the Chicago Bears, the guy who runs the team. He has to cater to players, to fans, fans, <laughs> to coaches, to the league. The league, yeah. He gets up. In front of everyone. This guy doesn't say a lot. He's not a talker. He says, guys, my preference, if I'm being honest, would be for you to stand with your hand over your heart. Mm. But I understand that you all may have different opinions and, and this is hurting you in different ways that I couldn't imagine. But I do have one request. Whatever you do, do it together. Stand, kneel, do it together. Mm. Be a team. And with that, our meeting adjourned. And usually Saturday nights after team meetings, we'll, you know, we'll, you know, you've been prepping all week. So you'll relax, you'll go laugh and you'll joke. You'll sit at the team meet, you'll get some ice cream, hang out at the dining hall in the hotel. And there was no laughing. There was no joking. There was minimal ice cream eating this night. We were just sitting and talking and hearing different opinions. Some guys said, hey, I don't care what about anything. I'm standing with my hand over my heart. Okay. Period. The white guy, the one guy, white guy from Pensacola, like that. I'm my hand over my heart. That's what I'm gonna That's do. It. That's all I know. That's, That's what it. I do. Another dude, black dude from Tennessee, he was like, man, and he, this guy had actually played with the Rams when when Trayvon Barton was killed. Yeah, and some Rams players came up with the hands up, don't or shoot. Or Michael Brown, maybe Michael Brown, yeah. Michael Brown. 
yep, Michael Brown, thank you. And they came out with the hands up, don't shoot. And he didn't protest then. He was scared. You said yeah, it was Benny Cunningham, right? Benny Played Cunningham. for the Rams. Okay. Yep. And Benny said, man, I, I didn't stand up then. I'm doing something now. I don't okay. care what else happens. I'm taking he it. He was going to make a statement. Yeah. He was going to make a statement. So you had different people on different I mean, and, and extremes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Extremes. And so the night came to an end. No one knew. We didn't know what we were going to do. And I remember going to sleep. I was stressed out, confused, concerned. I just prayed. I was like, God, like, help. Give me some wisdom. Like, I don't know what to do. And I went to sleep and I felt this peace as I went to sleep because I knew God had it under control. I woke up and did my normal morning routine. Usually don't see other guys that morning. Usually just wake up, might get a breakfast or so, then go to the locker room. I went to the locker room. I walk in. Both Benny and the other guy was uh, Josh sitting, looking at me at the same time. Sam, they call me Ach. So Ach, what are we doing? I look at them and I say, we're locking arms. We're going to be a team. We're locking arms. And all of a sudden the word spreads. All right, we locking arms. We locking arms. We locking arms, you know? And then so um, in my mind, it's trying to compromise, right? Like that'll give people, okay, you want to put your hand over your heart? We're locked. You can put your hand over your heart, right? Maybe figure out a way if you want to take a knee to foot. I don't know. You know what I mean? But we were going to be a team. We wanted to honor the president, if you will, the owner, but also honor the people who are hurting. Yeah, yeah who are struggling. And so we locked arms. We won the game. The other team, in a lot of ways, was in disarray. We were playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. They had half the team stay in the locker room. Half the team was in the tunnel. I remember you know, that. Then one guy by himself, yep. Andre uh, Villanueva. Villanueva. Yeah, I remember that. Was, I remember this game. Gosh. Yeah. And it just for them, it just looked bad. It looked like they weren't unified. And so we won, and we played well. I didn't know what the response was going to be. I heard people booing in the stands. I didn't know. I, you know, At that point, I didn't care. Go to the locker room. We finish the game, and all of a sudden, George McCaskey comes to the locker room, makes a beeline towards my locker. At this point, I'm like, oh, no, this is it. Like, now I really screwed it up. He comes straight to me. He puts his hands out. He shakes my hand. He says, Sam, thank you. Thank you for what you did. Thank you for what you did, but I don't want this to be the last time we have these conversations. If you are serious about making change, come up to my office. Yeah. Let's have some conversation. And then it, and then it continues from there. It continues in big ways. And every listener needs to get a copy of this book to hear exactly how that's continued and the journeys that you've had with the owner of the Chicago Bears, which here's the crazy part. So you're not currently with the Chicago Bears, but you still call Chicago home in a way. Yep. But you've gone on to, along with some other Chicago athletes, to open a grocery store and it's particularly difficult uh, part of the city of Chicago, right? Yep, west side, Austin. On the west side, in Austin, right? And it's a way for people to to get groceries that can't afford it. I mean, you, you've done some things in this community that are unbelievable, and it goes far beyond football. And your impact, with for all the players to be looking up to you that way, like you, I love what you just said about leading from the back, too. There is no prerequisite for for being a leader in wherever you are, in whatever situation you are in. Somebody's wait, everybody's waiting for somebody to step up. And so for you to be authentically you, and that's a huge way to become a leader. It's literally just to be to be the one who's willing to take the mask off and then people start looking to you. I love the stories of how your impact in the city of Chicago far exceed or go far beyond just an impact on the football field, which is incredible. I want to ask you two more questions, if I may. One is is a question looking back for you, and then two is a question looking forward. 
So number one, I ask everybody on the show, every guest that I have, I ask them about a blue couch moment. Now, you and I have already talked about some significant moments in our lives. I shared with you about asking Jesus into my heart, watching a Billy Graham crusade sitting on a blue couch. And I call that my blue couch moment. And I love to ask every guest about a pivotal moment in their life where their faith became real to them, right? So for some of us, we grow up in church. We, you know, you and I are preacher's kids and it feels very much like the family business, but every guest has a different story of how they came to know Jesus. And you've shared some pretty amazing stories and you've really shared some blue couch moments already. I, I think God's design for us and what I've learned in even asking this question to other people, the Lord's shown me that his desire is not just to have one moment with us, but you know, like the old hymn, and he walks with me and he talks with me. It's it's a day by day. Are we listening to the still small voice? And your book really tells about one, what I would call, if it were my story, be blue couch moment after the other, you know, where you've listened to God's leading. You've chosen to be real in a world full of fakes. God shows up in a powerful way, blows your mind and helps you to make a huge difference in the world. But specifically to the one moment where you decided I want to be like your Instagram profile says, a follower of Christ. Can you take us to that moment for you when you really felt God calling you, knocking at the door of your heart, and you just said, you know, I want Jesus in my life? For me, I think the moment where it became real was my freshman year in college. Now, granted, dad was a pastor at this church and like was baptized at a young age and I think part of the reason was I wanted to take communion and I heard you had to be baptized. So like, let me get baptized. But I still was like, yeah, I love Jesus. But it became real my freshman year in college because at that point I was free. I was out of the house. I was making my own decisions. No one, I'm doing air quotes, no one was going to know what I was going to do or where I was going, curfew, none, none of that. And I remember leaving the dorms of Jester Hall so we stayed at the third floor of Jester Hall on, at University of Texas. And I was walking to go down to get some food. And I saw this guy who was on the football team, backup quarterback named Trevor Walker. He was standing by the elevator with his back, leaning against the wall, back against the wall, Bible open, reading it unashamed, mm. unafraid. I don't think he was even waiting for the elevator. I think he was just sitting there reading it. And I was like, what is this dude doing? Like, we're football players. You know, the image and like the people are going to think. And, you know, and I just remember being intrigued by that because I was like, man, I, that's me. But I don't know how to get there, how to do that. And so I started talking to him. He was, a, he was like a walk-on QB. And I was this, you know, three-star recruit, defensive right. end. And I said, um, I just wanted that. And we started talking and he said, hey, man. And I, I told him about my background and how I wanted to follow Jesus. He said, how about we just make this thing real? How about we live this thing out? What would it look like if we actually lived our faith out in the locker room, on campus, in the dorms, everywhere we went? And I was like, how? He's like, we'll do it together. So it was me. It was him. He had a younger brother who walked onto the team. My younger brother came the next year. We had some other guys. Our quarterback, Colt McCoy, said we're going to live this thing out. And so we started doing Bible studies, team-led, player-led Bible studies. Colt led a ton of them. We had a center named Chris Hall who would lead a ton of them. I would lead some. We started. We had our games on Saturdays. We'd pray before the games as a just as a team. Not even like some team just like all right, let's just you know, you know, our Father who art in heaven. Like we would like pray, pray. You know what I mean? Before yeah, the games yeah. during the week. 
And then on Sundays, because we had practice on Sundays after the game, we'd watch film. But before practice, we'd all go to church together. So we go to church together as like 20 of us, right? We'd all just go to church and then leave church, go to practice, go to, go to the film room. And we just developed this community of like, oh, wow, we throw parties. It wasn't just like, all right, let's sing hymns. We would throw parties, right? We would throw like dance parties. Like we would be like, let's like, you know, we would have fun. But it was all based on getting to know Jesus, Jesus and the freedom that comes from that. And so I think that was that moment. And by no means was it like this perfect, like, oh, yeah, and all sure. of a sudden I was this saint. And no, but it was like, it was real. Yeah. That moment, freshman year, Jester Hall, third floor, Trevor Walker, Bible open, let's live this thing out. That was the blue couch moment for me. That's awesome, man. I tell you, man, that is just, I love asking that question because the answer is different every time. And just the thought of you being a freshman football star and letting, seeing somebody else being real in a world full of fakes, you were drawn to that. And now others are drawn to you because of your authenticity. It's awesome. So looking ahead, the title of your book is called Let the World See You. What are you feeling like the Lord is leading you towards in your life in terms of how you see the world getting to see you moving forward? Obviously, football has been a big part of your story. You've got some other book plans, I'm hoping, because this one is so powerful. You've clearly got a lot to say, but what's next for Sam Acho? I believe God is calling me to speak life into people. I've been on a journey you could say of self-discovery, a journey of getting to know Jesus, a journey of going to some hard places and dealing with some hard truths and some untangling some lies, like lies that have been knotted up in my life. Mm. And I feel like God's calling me to remind people that they are worth it. Like they are worth it. And that their story hasn't even begun yet. I think so many of us, like I'm 32 years old, we think our story's ended. Man, I played nine years in the NFL. What am I going to do next? And my story is over. And I believe God is calling me and you and everyone listening to, to pick up the paintbrush and start creating art on this empty canvas that we call life. So many people feel like, well, life has to be this way and what we've seen and what we've known and what we've lived. And God says, no, like I'm the master artist and I've given you the paintbrush, right? Empty canvas, have at it. Well, what should I drop? Have at it. <laughs> well, what do I do? Have at it. Mm. And so for so long, I felt like I had to follow the blueprint. If I'm football, around the football guys, I'm this tough guy. I'm this hard hitter. Around my you know, classmates, I'm the guy who knows all the answers. Yeah. And with my family, I'm the guy who's a peacemaker. And God says, no, you are you. Mm. You are Samuel. My middle name is Onyedi Kachi. Acho. Samuel means heard by God. Hmm. Onye di kachi means who is like unto God. There is no one who can compare to God. It's like this cry to God, like there's no one who's like you. Hmm. Acho, that is who you are. You are a good father. You are a good husband. You are a good son. You are a good friend and you are a good man. And I'm reminding, I've been reminded of that. And Matthew, I want to remind you of that. And even everyone listening, like you are good. God has made you that way. The image of God lives inside of you, the spirit of God. So like, let's sing a new song. Let's write a new story. Let's create a new piece of art. That's beautiful, man. You're, uh, there's no doubt you've spoken life into me and everybody listening to uh, this podcast. And I, I just want to say what an honor it's been to, to hang out with you and 
your book is going to continue to impact people's lives. The Lord's speaking through you in such a powerful way. People are going to continue to be drawn to you because you're choosing to be real in a world full of fakes. And people want that. They want to see that in their own lives. And you're you're giving people permission to to do that in the words you've shared today and in the words you've written in your book. So I, I'm just excited to see what the Lord's going to continue to do through your life and through your platform and your unique God-given voice. But Sam, this has been such a such a thrill for me. And uh, thank you for taking the time to encourage our listeners. We're on this mission lately. The theme of this podcast has been all about letting the truth be told. And so this couldn't have been a more perfect fit to have you share your stories and your experience and to inspire people to do just that, to take off the mask and breathe in. And you've given us some some beautiful things to breathe in and to feel empowered. And most importantly, this is what we know, man. When we can stand before the Lord, the Bible says nothing is hidden from him, right? And for somebody who's never tapped into the grace that God offers us, the thought that there's a God who sees everything can freak you out, right? And that in itself can make you try to pretend. That's what Adam and Eve did. You know what I mean? This is this is all mankind. And yet when you tap into the message of God's grace, it doesn't end with a God who sees all. It's a God who forgives all. It's a God who loves you in spite of everything he sees. And when we feel and tap into that freedom that God offers us, then we learn what it's like to stand in his presence unashamed. And then we can feel free to tell the whole story to the world around us and know that God's going to use us in a deeper way. A lot of times we think God can only use the good parts of our story. I love what you're sharing because it reminds us that God can use the whole story and he loves us no matter what. So thank you for sharing that, Sam. And I'm excited to stay in touch with you. I'm going to be handing out your book to some of my friends because this is a book that needs to be shared, not just read, but shared and passed on. So I'm rooting for you. I'm cheering you on and, and just can't thank you enough for being part of the show. Yeah, no, it's been a pleasure, dude. It's been such a pleasure. We talked at the beginning of the podcast, I think probably before we press record. I was so happy when I heard I was going to be able to get a chance to sit with you and talk with you. But man, like now that I've actually been sitting and talking and listening, dude, you're you're a blessing. Oh, man. Thank like, you're you. a blessing to so many people. You're a blessing to your wife. You're a blessing to your family. You're a blessing, obviously, in the music world to people who listen to music, but also to people who are trying to figure out how to how do I do music well. Like, how do I lead well from a platform, from a, mm. from a stage? And you're like, in a lot of ways, you don't see it this way, but you're like a sage. You know what I mean? You're like this wise guide. And it feels lonely because it's like, dude, nobody else was there to guide me. <laughs> you know, I was on my own with the walking stick like Moses in a lot of yeah, ways, right? Yeah, I was just yeah. doing this by myself. And like, yeah. but God spoke to you in that burning bush, mm. right? And now people are looking at your story and they're watching your story. And you're you're this guide for people who are, on stages with platforms, you're teaching them how to how to love well. And you're not teaching them how to love others, you're teaching them how to love themselves. Because you you know what it's like to not be loved, but also you know what it's like to be loved and to experience love and then to be loved for someone else. And so like God's almost called you to be this, like Moses for so many people, this guide, wow. this stage to take, a, to take a select few of people to the promised land. And it doesn't see that, feel that way because like your leadership style in so many ways though you don't maybe don't like it it was like it's in the front because that's where you've been placed you don't necessarily you're like i didn't put myself here but that's where god put you and it, I, I understand it feels lonely and and like alone but god's like dude the path like you're making a path that so many other men and women 
need to follow. The path wasn't there before you got there. I'm not even talking about a physical, even emotionally as well, right? Because you know it's a lot of broken people in that industry. 100%. And in a lot of different, and, and, and yeah. God's saying, yeah, like Matthew, like my little, my son Matt knows what it's like to be mm. broken, but he also knows what it's like to be whole. Yeah. And Gosh. you're going to get a great opportunity to be able to walk people through, and I'm, there's already names coming to my mind, people you already know, you're probably already doing this with, but walk people through what it's like to journey. You know what I mean? To walk that journey. I think sojourn is probably a good word. And so like that's a calling you didn't even know God was giving you but that God has given you that's going to be just as, if not more impactful than any song you ever wrote or any performance yeah. you ever did. What's the people call it? Force factor, like multiplication to so many people. So so thank you in advance for for doing that. And that has nothing to do with what you do. It has everything to do with Man. who you are. God made you as like a shepherd. You're like a shepherd, right? Like you're like a shepherd. Thank you, Sam. That's an encouragement that uh, I don't take lightly. And, you know, I think I've related a lot in my own way to your story because one, I, you know, not just because of my amazing physique and the fact that I could have been on the football field with you easily. And uh, I would have been on the offensive line and kept you from getting a single sack. And I, I don't want to brag. I didn't mean to turn that encouragement around. Into, no, but I think what I relate with Sam is just the fact that you came to that realization that that football was not the thing. It was going to be the thing that was going to allow you to do so many more things to change the world. And and a lot of times my platform, because it's Christian music, it can easily feel like the thing. And it is a thing. And I see the Lord work and just like you, you know what I mean? You love football and I love music, but I feel like when we start to tap into the reality that there's there's so much more work to be done when you step off the field and when I step off the stage, that is when we start to realize, wait a minute, you know? And I think a lot of times we can get into that mentality where we're punching a clock and even in ministry, we can punch a clock. Say, oh, I'm off. Now I can just go to Chipotle and get my burrito and not be nice to anybody. The Lord showed you how that works out. And he's showing me how that works out. It's like, no, no, no. A lot of times Jesus did his ministry on his way to the thing. And I want to remember that too. And so just your encouragement to me is just, uh, it means a lot to me. I, you don't even know how much. So, hey, I'm going to point people. So we're going to post a link to your book, of course. We're going to post a link to, you're not doing one podcast because you're Sam Macho. You do two podcasts, right? So you've got, you've got the Home Team podcast and then Athletes for Justice podcast. And are both of those weekly? Yeah, both of those are weekly, every week. Yep. And is that the best way for people to stay in touch with you? obviously through social media as well. Yeah, yeah. If anybody wants to get in touch, stay in touch. So my social media handle is at the Sam Macho, T-H-E-S-A-M-A-C-H-O. Uh, if you want to go to the podcast, it's the Athletes for Justice podcast and the Home Team podcast. They're both on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. And also, if you want to get the book, just type in Let the World See You. It's on Amazon. You can also go to sammachobook.com to learn more about that. But uh yeah, so those are those are the best ways. Well, he is the Sam Acho, and he's an inspiration to so many people, including me right here today, encouraging all of us to let the world see the real us because we are worth it. Sam, I can't thank you enough, man, for hanging with me for not one, but two episodes of the Matthew West Podcast. You're welcome back anytime. I appreciate you, man. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. 
Well, this concludes our bonus episode. We did it. Now you can see why I needed to have part two of this conversation with Sam Acho. This guy's the real deal. I'm going to encourage you. I can't encourage you enough, actually, to pick up his new book. We're going to post a link, as always, at matthewwest.com slash podcast. And with that, thanks for joining me on this ride. I am absolutely loving doing this podcast every week. And these conversations are impacting my life. And I pray that they're impacting your life. If you need help, if you're struggling right now in a certain area of your life, if you're in a broken chapter and you just need some support, I want to remind you, our ministry is always there for you. Go to popwe.org. That's P-O-P-W-E.org. We'd love to support you. We'd love to pray for you. And uh, please let us know how we can join you on your journey. With that, hey, go make this a great day, all right? Don't take a single moment of your life for granted. And remember, God has you here for a reason, and being the real you pays off. It's your story for his glory. I'll see you next week. Seriously, I, I, I do.